Welcome to Five Star Weekly. A couple of perplexing team announcements and a disappointing result over the weekend. Seems like the club has a lot to alleviate fans' worries right now. We get into all that more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Star Fam. I'm AJ, and this is Mark with his Chelsea scarf. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern. A cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections and a plate of something delicious from the menu. To go, check out Thinking Man Tavern. Five Strap fam, we've started a Patreon and we'd love for you to join us there and support us from a grassroots level. We have a lot of amazing tiers and fun little perks. So you can help us with our ambition for leveling up and making a lot of the content that you want to see. So join us there at patreon.com slash ATLUCDFanTV. And we'll see you there. And lots of uh, things like ad-free versions of this episode. So, uh, you know, you get to avoid all of the little pesky uh, ads that always pop up elsewhere. But there, you won't have that issue. So, anyway, guys, uh, let's get into the match review. And it was against Nashville SC on Saturday. It was that uh, very frustrating result. Early lead squandered 2-0. And LA United walked away conceding two late goals for yet another draw in the 2021 season. It's, uh, yeah bit frustrating but I think from a kind of eagle eye view the attacking was definitely a lot better we uh we really dominated I think 80 minutes of this match but uh I think at the end of the day you know you gotta play full 90 and stoppage time as well because yeah we in my opinion haven't done that this season I mean for very many games uh we just haven't put it mm-hmm. together attacking and defending uh, it's kind of left a little bit to be desired, but uh, yeah, you were obviously watching the Chelsea Champions League final, uh, where in which they won the UCL. So, congrats, Mark. Uh, but uh, yeah, what were your thoughts after you watched this match? Oh, uh, one team in London. Oh, you're talking about Atlanta. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's that old cliche, uh. Two knows the most dangerous lead. Um, it's it's just I it feels a little bit unfortunate almost how the goals come about, how quickly they came about, and how uh, three points just kind of disappeared just like that. Um, in terms of chances created, I mean, so I you know I wasn't able to watch the whole match. I saw some extended highlights, and uh, certainly there were a lot of chances for Atlanta United. One particular that comes to mind uh, was an Eric Lopez uh, left-footed effort when we were up 2-0. Uh, Bello, helping with the build-up, um, plays him through, pl- plays Lopez on through to the keeper. And, oh, it doesn't miss by much. And, you know, you figure at 3-0 at that point, that puts the game away. Um, so, in a sense, it's a harsh, le- harsh lesson. But uh, a lot of encouraging things I think to take from this performance you know like you've we've got a I think it's still early enough in the season where we're weighing performance versus result right mm-hmm. and so uh, like last week we spoke about the Seattle result and yes it's a fine result against a tough opponent but uh, you know I expressed that we needed to see 
more, especially from the attack. And so we saw that versus Nashville, a, another very tough team defensively. Um, uh, I don't have the stat, but they had a streak, uh, a clean sheet streak, so to speak, right? Uh, Three clean sheets uh, away, and uh, going into halftime, they were level at uh, their last three away matches as well. Yeah, they're uh, a tough, you know, kind of uh, squad defensively for sure. Exactly. And so, yeah, you know, like getting the early goal, uh, the first one coming from a Miles uh, long ball again, you know, we're seeing this development with Miles. It's very exciting. Um, it seems like Moreno gets the touch and the defenders actually don't ever touch the ball. Keeper maybe could have done better. Our old friend Joe Willis, but uh, hey, you know, <laughs> uh, that's another goal for Moreno, who's now our leading scorer. And I think that's, uh, you know, the fact that a player like Moreno, who was struggling until recently, until he moved to the middle, the fact that he's uh, our leading scorer kind of shows you where the attack has been so far this season. Uh, it has been a bit of a struggle. Um, so, yeah, you, something I talk about a lot is getting that early goal and we get it. And so that's great. Um, yeah, and yeah, you know, staying on that. Uh, yeah, I think you know that Miles Robinson ball is just weighted really, really well. And he said that yeah, it was during the broadcast as well. Marisa Du, uh, Moa Du uh, talked about how you know what he looks for is that ball in behind first. And yeah, the quality of ball is improving a lot for Miles Robinson. And you know, if he continues on this trajectory, I mean, yeah, you could see him uh, moving to somewhere in Europe uh, very, very soon if he can continue to put these on a dime. But yeah, Moreno, yeah, does so well. And Joe Willis, I think he sees it a little late. I think that's the the issue mm -hmm. here for him. But mm -hmm. great for us. Uh, yeah, the persistence from Moreno. And Nutmegs, you know, his guy, that's, that's lovely. And, um, yeah, yes, that's, uh, you know, very early on, that's what we need. Uh, you know, that's the, those are the types of, uh, goals that we, you know, want to see us scoring because as well, like a little bit of the dynamic, you know, we, uh, love a well-worked team goal, but also being direct as well, I think can really put the opposing side, you know, really on on edge on eggshells because they don't know what necessarily it's going to be um mm -hmm. you know attack wise but yeah move on uh, for your other thoughts yeah uh, another thing that jumped out to me in the highlights was uh, joseph running at defenders with the ball uh, you know you definitely seeing that confidence that sharpness return and i think that joseph would have more goals uh if he got better service you know so i don't think it's just him you know uh sort of in, in this recovery phase you know I, th I think there's more to it in terms of uh the lack goal, lack of goals from joseph so right. um, and so, oh some of those flicks that he uh so yeah during the match oh man uh a lot of his link up play was tasty and uh yeah mm -hmm. little back heel flips or uh you know just one touch to get guys into space uh yeah it's levels of like 2019 Jose Martinez essentially uh, with his combination play and yeah it's great to see that confidence come back and he was trying some uh, overhead kicks as well audacious oh, things yeah. 
But it was also, I think, he saw that Nashville, uh, one of the Nashville players had tried it, and yeah, Jose Martinez. Uh, yeah, you know, at that point, uh, he was not to be outdone. I think uh, you know, <laughs> someone else trying a, an overhead kick, he's gonna try it, and uh, yeah, maybe it didn't come off, but I think that speaks to the confidence that is growing within Joseph, and so that's, I think, uh, I think key here, and uh, hopefully he can continue, uh, you know, building this uh, off of a really, I think, strong performance, even though he didn't get a goal. But anyway, uh, yeah. your next thoughts. Yeah, um, so, you know, like, overall, it seemed like I controlled the first half, and then early in the second half, again, early goal, um, you know, Moreno driving through the middle, releasing Bello down the left, um, and just the cross is really good in the sense that it's in that uh, corridor of uncertainty, mm-hmm. um, and Bello being able to get on the end of that ball and then playing a cross as accurate as that, you know, again, is another player who we're seeing the development. And he had a good season last season. I think he, it feels like he's just building on that. It feels like he's definitely a key part of the attack and defense. Um, so, it's, you know, it's exciting to see perhaps another player who might move to Europe, uh, you know, if he keeps his form up and continues improving. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and then the touch from Lopez. I mean, just excellent. I mean, you, you know, you can, you can argue about the keeper positioning and whatnot, but I think... To be honest, I think that's a defensible decision in the moment. Um, and I think Lopez does really, really well to get there. And, I mean, that technique is very difficult for, oh, play- yeah. for a player at any level. So, you know, especially just- at his age. And especially, mm-hmm. I think it's the run as well. I think he ghosts into that uh, near post. And then, yes, that, that back heel f- flick is just, oh just yeah chef's kiss uh yeah exactly for his first uh mls goal what a goal to get exactly uh, you know those are the i think kind of highlights that we saw uh when he was uh you know playing for olympia in paraguay uh is that type of run he you know is able to make smart runs to attack space and yeah you know when he it's it's clear that you know he's a growing player. He's not you know fully developed, but I think those are the instincts that have come out. Those were kind of what we saw a little bit against Club America as well. And uh, yeah, may he continue to uh, show more of that promise because yeah, some of us yeah I think both of us didn't have him starting this match, and you know he mm-hmm. uh, I think earned his earned his place uh, definitely for a few more matches if he can continue to. Um, you know, attack that space like that, and um, right. yeah, and so uh, also though I think key into this uh, this whole sequence starting was Anton Walks winning his tackle there, and then springing Marcelino Moreno, uh, and Marcelino Moreno putting uh, a pretty decent weighted ball uh, that Bella could run onto, and so you know it's a uh, it's a good team goal in a sense as well. That um, you know, we were able to uh, you know kind of link up some of the lines for sure, and then you know just uh, exactly how we I think uh, are hoping this team to score in a lot of senses is you know this is the main way, and then that direct ball if as well you know I mm-hmm. think uh, more of these that we can put together then fantastic and if again if uh, eric lopez had put away his uh pretty much uh his counter-attack 
opportunity, it would have been a whole different story. I feel mm -hmm. like he, yeah, he cut his angle off and then put it onto his weak foot. It's tough. It's like he probably yeah. should have put it away, bottom right corner, uh, if he had, you know, gotten that type of opportunity to uh, to bring it into and shoot it a little earlier. I feel like um, right. kind of Thierry Henry esque bottom right corner <laughs> as always. Uh, I would love uh, a lot because it's it's one of those things you you get the the opposing team you know just really wondering what type of shot you're gonna take uh you yeah. know is it near post is it far post when you have it on your strong foot and uh it's a little bit you know you can pretty much in that sense uh kind of guide exactly where you want the ball to go and uh you know the opposing team will be in trouble essentially at that point and i think that's you know those are the types of uh of shots that we would like to see Lopez put away as well. But anyway, uh, so uh, moving on from that, any other thoughts? Uh, <laughs> I mean, up until the Nashville goals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, like, I thought like, it was it was everything we wanted to see, uh, and especially with certain players involved, like Moreno, like Lopez, players that uh, maybe coming under a lot of heat. I mean, maybe coming under some heat, uh, especially for their price tags and whatnot. It's, it's nice to see both of them have those kind of displays. And then, uh, you know, the back line continued to be solid up until that point. Right. Uh, so, you know, yeah, really, really good first 80 minutes. Right. Yeah, lots of shots, lots of uh, decent chances. Uh, George Bello also not sticking just to the touchline. He was making a lot of runs, uh, yeah, centrally as well with the ball. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, kind of that uh, attacking midfielder uh, of years past in him coming out a little bit. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, some good some good balls uh, from George Bello as well, uh, centrally yeah. and from wide in this match too. But, yeah, then the dreaded 80th minute where, yep, we, uh, we just fall asleep, I feel like, for both mm -hmm. of these goals. Um, yeah, I mean, Mukhtar... Uh, yeah, he kind of gets into uh, a space where he's able to shoot uh, after a touch. And, uh, yeah, I mean, do you think Goose could have done better here? I mean, it is very close, and he, but I feel like he reacts a little late. Um, sure. It's just one of those that, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough for him, but it still is. You'd expect him to at least get a hand on it. Uh, but yeah. It's uh, it looks like uh, it comes through bodies. Maybe I think it even uh, the shot nut legs uh, Sosa, um, right. but so maybe that's why you know the late reaction. Mm. Um, in terms of that first goal, so you know there is that there is that chance right before the goal where Goose makes that foot save. Right. Um, but, but then you know I guess Nashville maybe uh, steps up the counter pressing because. They, they, they win the ball right back. They're coming again. It's a nice build-up from them, to be honest. And uh, Mukhtar is a little sharper than Lennon in the box. Lennon's on Mukhtar, um, but Mukhtar reacts first to that ball across, you know, mm -hmm. steps across Lennon, gets a touch, and, of course, Lennon doesn't want to uh, give away penalties. So gives him just, I think, a half second, and uh, that's all Mukhtar needed. You know, he's, uh, he's one of their best attackers, arguably their best forward. So... Um, I guess you you know you'd have to say it's he his quality is on display there. Um, 
yeah definitely a tough one to swallow though right and then so yeah three minutes later uh, i have a huge problems with this uh, whole sequence in terms of our defending um yeah oh, i mean yeah. we uh kind of have there's a foul they play advantage uh and so uh, then the ball goes out wide. Sapong puts in a ball that uh, Lagrasa is able to get a shot away. And uh, well, during this, Brooks Lennon is drawn to Lagrasa, even though Heinemann is near. And I think that's where you know we leave uh, Mukhtar just unmarked at the back post, two v one essentially versus Miles Robinson, and it's. Yeah, a deflection off of Robinson on the shot. Yeah, he can't do anything about <laughs> pretty much mm. Mukhtar just uh, in space, unmarked. Lennon, uh, you know, lost his marker. And unfortunately, yeah, he has a just tremendous look at goal. Guzan has nothing yeah. he can do here. Uh, and yeah. yeah, they are able to level it deep into the game. And that's uh, very annoying. It's just so many levels of this that... Um, yeah, we need to be more awake. We need to uh, see out the match in terms of... Um, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like Mukhtar, he was finding space uh, more wide later on in the match. The change yeah. definitely uh, from Gary Smith. But um, yeah, I, I think it's less on the change of that. It's more that, yeah, we maybe... Fatigue comes into play, but uh, sure. then you know maybe make some subs that are a little bit more uh, switched on uh, that's, you know, have, um, you know, a little less heavy legs. But, uh, but yeah, what were your thoughts on the uh, the second goal? Uh, I mean, pretty much what you said. I mean, you know, it, it, they're all, everyone has their man in that sequence. And uh, Sapong plays in the initial cross to uh, the ball across to Lagrasa. Maybe he shouldn't have been allowed to play that ball across. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, Heinemann's there. You know, there's no reason really for Lennon to pull off his man. And, uh, you know, you just, late in the game, you just need bodies in the box, man. You know, yeah. like that's how that's how you get, because there's going to be deflections. There's going to be second balls you have to deal with and so on. And so that's why the more bodies in the box, the better. Um, and I guess it's maybe it's a lack of experience from Lennon. Um, you know, he's just, I guess, eager to make the play, make the interception or the block or what have you. Right. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, I, unfortunately the blame, I think, again, has to uh, Lennon has to shoulder a good, good bit of the blame on this one. Um, so just two not great moments from him in a short space of time. Um, I think it shows a little bit of, yeah, just the inexperience as a full-on out-and-out right back. Um, because, yeah, going forward, we know his quality in terms of crosses, in terms of on a free kick, uh, corners, you know, they're definitely, uh, you know, you don't find many right backs in the league that are doing that. Uh, you know, the ones that are, uh, yeah, you know, on those set pieces are right back. So it's one of those... Yeah, Lennon will have to, if he's going to be persistent as the, uh, you know, starter at right back, yeah, there's parts of his defensive game that, uh, yeah, need to be rounded out for sure. Mm -hmm. And hopefully mm -hmm. uh, during this period that, um, you know, Gabriel Hainsey can, uh, yeah, embark or not embark, but impart some fullback knowledge for, uh, for Lennon. But 
Yeah. Um, I think part of that experience too is just understanding the situation. You know, you're late in the yeah. game, you're trying to protect the lead. Like every every team has their philosophy, but also every single team ever is going to try to protect the lead late in the game. You know, and so I think, yeah. uh, especially as a defender and as a fullback, right? Like, yeah, you may have uh, some duties to help the attack in the midfield, but I mm-hmm. think in that situation, it's got to be defense first mentality. So, yeah. um, you know, hopefully we'll uh, we'll clean that up going forward. Right. And uh, I think something that uh, maybe bothered me a little bit uh, was the subs uh, coming in. So Jake Mulraney was uh, was taken off for Ezekiel Barco, who, yeah, makes sense for him to get minutes, uh, you know, right. to uh, bring Barco back into the team. And then Franco Ibarra at the 69th minutes uh, for Moreno. But uh, it seemed like we lost control a little bit after that because um, I thought Moreno and Mulraney we're doing fine and we were obviously in control uh we were getting a lot of opportunities uh so i think those were the i wouldn't necessarily say the catalyst but it definitely uh it unsettled kind of the setup a little bit and we definitely looked less able i think after that and um even though abara i think he did fine ezekiel barco did fine i think it's just a matter of um you know, I think we lacked a little bit more of the continuity then. And, you know, it's one of those, some people have been slating Hainsey for not making subs earlier, but this uh, maybe, I feel like the subs were a little too, in hindsight, just a little too early. Um, you know, if uh, they were, they seemed more just like uh, trying to get these players minutes versus actual like tactical substitutions that I think helped uh, kind of our setup. It was more like uh, these guys uh, that were in the game, like I said, I think we're doing the job, clearly. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. so for me, yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit of uh, second guessing, I feel like uh, the substitutions and the, uh, the coaching here because, uh, yeah, anytime you give uh, away a lead and you, uh, yeah, you know, aren't able to score after you put in substitutions, I think you're, you know, allowed to scrutinize. I feel like uh, that's pretty much uh, comes with the territory. But, uh, yeah, final thoughts on this match? Um, Some encouraging signs. Um, Obviously frustrated about the result, but, um, you know, definitely want to see more of this attack, and it's an especially good sign to see it against a team that's strong defensively and against a team that you knew was going to set up in a medium to low block against you. Uh, so, you know, 10 minutes away from a really good result. Uh, but I think it's like I said before, it's still early in the season. MLS is a very forgiving league in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm definitely more optimistic about our near future. Right. And uh, so the next match for Atlanta United will be against the Philadelphia Union on June 20th. We're looking forward to seeing Jim Curtin again. Uh, a lot of us, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but yeah, June 20th, a ways away. But uh, yeah, stay tuned with us. We will still have Five Stripe Weekly for you. And we will uh, still have lots of content. Uh, but anyway, moving on into the news uh yeah so mls they uh they conducted a probe and uh it was on inter miami because they had 
Too many DPs at one point. They concluded that they should have probably had five DPs because Matuidi uh, was definitely uh, supposed to be one. And yeah, uh, you know, you have uh, kind of the fallout, which Paul McDonough was their general manager. And well, <laughs> yeah, he uh, he was the one implicated, even though early on in the season when we hired him, Apparently, he wasn't someone that they were looking at, and now all of a sudden, he's the guy that they're looking at, and he has been punished. He's been banned from any front office in MLS until the end of 2022, uh, and so, you know, uh, that really obviously affects Atlanta United because Paul McDonough is, uh, yeah, our vice president of soccer operations, or was, and now... The team announced, uh, yeah, on May 27th, or, you know, uh, effective on May 27th, but uh, announced a couple days later that they mutually agreed to part ways, which, uh, yeah, sounds a lot like how the Frank DeBoer thing went as well, which, uh, okay, great. You can uh, you can spit my face and tell me it's rain, but, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's spit in my face. And, uh, yeah, anyway... Uh, so apparently a search for a successor is underway and right now McDonough's duties will be handled on an interim basis by Darren Eels. So what are your thoughts on all this, Mark? Very, very annoying. Uh, my biggest concern is that, uh, the way I've understood this structure is that Paul McDonough is like the salary cap guy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and you kind of need that in this league so you know you're gonna, i imagine whoever they bring in um they're gonna really look for somebody with that expertise in particular but it's just so annoying in general i mean i just wonder like because obviously we get the news i guess in in, in a delay so to speak like i'm sure um this investigation about uh miami was going on long before uh it it became it public right. mm -hmm. and and so you know it's i guess was there an opportunity for uh atlanta united to to know about this to learn about this before um they actually rehired him was he totally honest in that interview process um or you know to honest or up front um so just a lot just a lot to kind of like i guess like a how did we get here kind of feeling mm -hmm. um Coming that coming on the back of uh, you know the recent uh, revelatory article about Boca Negra um, doesn't leave doesn't necessarily give you uh, or at least have me feeling the most optimistic about the front office right now. Um, it's very damning. It, uh, let's yeah. be honest. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know Paul McDonough uh, does not uh, you know look good at all here. And, uh, yeah, the fact that we didn't do our diligence when we hired him back also is very damning. Uh, and now that, yeah, you know, you have some of the guys uh, in the front office kind of under some uh, limelight. It's really, yeah, this front office has a microscope on them now. That's for sure. And, and that, yeah. as long as we're talking about the front office, I mean, you know, obviously Lucy Rushton left for dc yeah. uh 
before and now i, I want to say either one or two members of the front office mm-hmm. have since joined EC. and so you know it's like yeah that's, that's great for them to be able to you know i think uh you know get a, a larger role at another club but it for is sure absolutely yeah. it does also feel like a jumping ship kind of situation you know and so i just i hope that there's not like a culture issue you know yeah. or um a real sense of uh lack of faith in the direction of of our current front office uh, that's just me speculating but you look at all these moves happening in a short space of time mm-hmm. again doesn't give you a great sense of uh hope at least for me you know so i yeah again yeah. we just have to see but ooh. <laughs> right and so yeah you know what was interesting is we let go a guy uh that was the falcons kind of numbers cruncher uh, right before Paul McDonough, you know, uh, came back in. And so uh, whether he's either rehired or uh, I believe he went to Charlotte FC, I think uh, a lot of the guys have gone kind of locally in the East, and which is, uh, you know, maybe a little frustrating or, um, you know, going to be interesting to see in the future how many trade secrets that they've acquired essentially uh, from us essentially by having these guys that come in uh, know our setup. And so, yeah, we need uh, maybe some headhunters. We need maybe some people that are going to be, you know, I think um, really identifying some guys that can really, I think, take us forward versus just getting us back to level, you know. So, uh, you know, that's going to be very, very important. But uh, moving on from that, another perplexing move. Uh, LA United, they announced last week that they have waived defender Jack Gurr, who had just been signed before the season. Uh, and so, you know, we're down to uh, one right back uh, as a depth piece uh, behind Brooks Lennon in terms of Ronald Hernandez. And uh, yeah, what's interesting is, yeah, he was linked to uh, Gurr anyway, uh, linked to our sister club Aberdeen FC uh, right before that. And so, you know, maybe this is a concurrent move uh, to allow him to go over there without a fee or something. But, uh, you know, it's it's strange nonetheless. Uh, Not sure, uh, you know, why uh, this has really happened uh, because, you know, his place in the team it was a semi-guaranteed contract um and it you know in terms of what uh he was actually you know gonna cost to the team and any of that it's not really like a uh a move that really i think opens up too much i think it's you know we can speculate on what it is but it's just uh it's it's an odd odd move like no doubt especially this early on in the season Especially when mm-hmm. he had come in as a right back in some matches over Ronald Hernandez. So, yeah. you know, what, what are your thoughts on Gurr being waived? Well, uh, I mean, okay, in terms of min- the minutes distribution, it's basically being mostly Brooks Lennon at right back and then a little bit of Jack Gurr. So, uh, you know, there's Ronald Hernandez, there's a whole Ronald Hernandez at home. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um,. I get, you know, will he play, you know, what kind of playing time will he see, if any? I, I, you got to figure eventually he's going to play just out of necessity. Um, but maybe the feeling was uh, we didn't need a third right back. But, uh, you know, it just, it, yeah, it is a little bit perplexing. I mean, it feels like it's uh, maybe a roster mechanism move 
you know, maybe opening up a spot, even though he wasn't uh, obviously not on a high salary. So, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it maybe feels like it's opening up a spot, but that's the only thing that uh, how that's the only way it makes sense to me. Right, and yeah, Stephen Glass did, uh, yeah, coach him uh, at the twos, and so maybe he would want to bring him over there. Uh, but there's also maybe this is a personal leave type of move as well. Uh, yeah, his wife's uh, mother unfortunately passed away, and so maybe that's something that uh, is a factor here. Uh, I don't think maybe anything will really come out about this, but you know, it's just a very odd move, and we'll see in the coming uh, days or weeks what's going to happen and why this move was maybe made. But um, yeah, maybe roster spots so that we can bring in some people, but you would imagine... Uh, yeah, you wouldn't make this move until there was something coming in that you knew for sure. And so it's just, yeah, the timing seems entirely off. But, uh, yeah, moving on from that, Jose Martinez has been called into the Venezuelan national team by Jose Pesero. Uh, there are two World Cup qualifying matches against Bolivia on June 3rd and Uruguay on June 8th. Uh, of course, this is a different manager that uh, now he is cool with. So, uh, yeah, he is willing to go to, uh, you know, represent Venezuela. But, uh, yeah, Martinez uh, or Joseph uh, has made 51 career appearances, scored 11 goals, and has had three assists, and uh, including five goals in 21 World Cup qualifying matches. So he's important to their setup. It makes sense. But by God, please come back healthy joseph martinez uh oh my god <laughs> hopefully they don't put him in any uh cow pasture type of uh pitches because yeah there was uh that issue that kept him out of 2017 a large bit of time so uh yes hopefully knock on wood knock on all the woods and um <laughs> yeah anyway um so Moving on from that, uh, on MLS Media Day, Joseph Martinez, he was asked, uh, as well as a whole bunch of other players in MLS, Kylian Mbappe or Erling Haaland. And, uh, yeah, he uh, hilariously said his own name, Joseph Martinez. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that bravado that you expect from Joseph Martinez. I mean, shit. It's, uh, I do love that he uh, followed it up by, they don't even know who I am. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. but, but still, it's, uh, you know, uh, obviously, one would feel a little miffed, too. I mean, you know, these guys are a lot younger than you, you know, that type of thing. And they get that limelight, even though they're world-class players. But, yeah, Joseph Martinez, you know, he's got a... He's got to, uh, you know, put his own uh, and toot his own horn sometimes because, you know, sometimes that's the thing. You know, if you ain't going to toot your own horn, who is? Right. So. Right. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Love yourself. Love yourself. You know, exactly. But uh, anyway, uh, moving on from that, Ezekiel Barco, he's been called up to the Argentina U23s national team. And uh, those are two matches against Denmark and Saudi Arabia, June 8th and 11th. Uh, and they will take place in Spain, and uh, yeah, it's the preparations for the Tokyo Olympics. But uh, Ezekiel Barco, yeah, he's made 14 appearances with the U20 national team, scored twice, added two assists in four games, um, and yeah, he's earned his first cap with Argentina's U23s. 
uh, in 2019. And so, yeah, this will be, if he plays, uh, yeah, a, uh, you know, his second. But it's uh, one of those things. I mean, yeah, uh, maybe it speaks to the lack of depth maybe in the U23s a little bit. He hasn't obviously been playing a ton uh, because he's been injured this past month. But uh, before that, he was balling out. And so, yeah, he seemingly is back to health. And, yeah, we'll be playing for Argentina's U23s. But do you think uh, he needs this to you know, kind of put him in the shop window? Or, I mean, is it pretty much it, it, it's still the same? What do you think? I'm uh, I'm sort of laughing to myself because I can already hear the U.S. fans being like, "Oh, so you let Barco go?" Uh, but it's a completely different context. Like these matches are happening uh, in the MLS yes. in, our, in the gap in our schedule, yeah. um, and so you know Barco would still be able to return to the team with uh, basically a week before that Philadelphia match. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think given the circumstance of you know the fact that he has been out um he probably needs some uh match fitness so uh i wouldn't mind seeing him play for parts of these games i wouldn't want to see him play a full 90 mm. with the u23s but you know maybe a start and 60 minutes maybe comes on for the second half you know something mm. like that to build up his fitness i think uh would actually benefit uh Atlanta united in the short and long term and yeah maybe uh maybe there's a you know, scouts that that see him with the U23s, and uh, it maybe garner some interest uh, because you know there is that rumor that uh, Club America is interested in him, and I'm sure that there are other clubs that are interested in Barco at least. Maybe right. you know, depending on what they're willing to pay, and depending on uh, how aggressive they would be in that transfer. But you know, with the summer transfer window coming up, I think Atlanta uh, United needs to be prepared to to act basically one way or another and so if that means selling barco and uh bringing in another player it might be something that they'd have to consider so mm -hmm. uh yeah i think i think for all those reasons it does make sense to allow barco to play with the u23s in this window yeah and hopefully he stays healthy as well uh because yeah i mean yeah, it's difficult to transfer someone if they're injured uh, as well. But, uh, yes, let's get into that transfer rumor. And Club America, like Mark was saying, yes, uh, have reportedly set their sights on Barco again. And they have contacted him, according to the Daily Record. Now, in terms of uh, the plausibility of this, uh, yeah, this rumor, I mean... The, uh, the caveats here are that uh, the imminent departures of Sergio Diaz and Nicolas Benedetti uh, have America searching for reinforcements this summer. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're looking for attacking midfielders. Uh, moving to Mexico, I'm not so sure really uh, ups his value in the world scope. But, uh, yeah, if maybe they pay, uh, you know, just what we need we can you know get another dp uh but uh in that sense though we would have to get a dp that isn't a u22 uh player and we would have to be someone that's a little bit more um kind of at least in the prime or finished product type of uh player and so uh maybe that's a good thing maybe uh you know that's a blessing in disguise but uh yeah, the plausibility of this, I mean, I think it's uh, a little low. It's not uh, exactly, I think, uh, a rumor that, um, you know, has numbers attached to it. 
uh, is a uh, rumor that's um, kind of maybe is rehashed, maybe some agent talk. But either way, um, you know, the more talk there is about Barco, maybe there is going to be some momentum uh, towards, you know, his eventual sale when that does uh, happen. Because, yeah, his uh, his contract does end next season. So, yeah, you think right now it's a really good time to sell. I mean, you... Um, Exactly. You don't want to get to the last year of the contract and then, you know, sell them maybe like with six months down the line or something like that in the middle of a season that, um, you know, it arguably could be, I think, uh, you know, we've played very decently without Ezekiel Barco, um, you -hmm. know, and so, you know, that's kind of been the thing a little bit as well, uh, as much as. You know the uh, the team has been ragged on at times. We have not been playing with all of our DPS, and so mm-hmm. one of those things. But. And then, uh, un- unfortunately, that's been uh, a regular occurrence or semi regular occurrence with Barco. You know, is that he's just not available. And uh, I actually will echo a sentiment that uh, that you expressed. Maybe we do need somebody uh, closer to the prime, uh, somebody who is either on the verge of or already a star for their team in their league or whatever um maybe we need to bring in that kind of player so you know for a more immediate impact because if you got that kind of player um and they were available more often than barco theoretically you could up you know that i think you would have to consider that an upgrade so mm-hmm. um yeah you know i it's it's gonna be interesting. I, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't totally dismiss the Barker rumors this summer. I think this summer actually makes a lot of sense, uh, especially with this contract situation, uh, to move him on. So um, I know there's some people who feel like we have to keep the uh, the pipeline to Europe open, but honestly, you know that offer, it, if if it isn't there, you know, then what can you do really? You know, I don't think that moving Barco to Liga Meki, let's say, would hurt Atlanta United's reputation that much. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially in lieu lieu of MLS taking away uh, teams to be able to gain GAM from selling DP players. So it's just like... Which is ridiculous. Just get the money at that point and yeah. Yeah. And you have young stars in Sosa, Ibarra, Lopez, you know, like you don't have to go all in on the young stars. I think you, you know, you have to keep, you have to build out the team um, if you're trying to win now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, moving on from that, uh, Atlanta United announced their 2021 uh, Special Olympics Unified Team. Uh, Mark Bloom and Greg Garza uh, as those United uh, Unified Ambassadors. Um, definitely taking part a little bit again as Garza's uh, in town and Mark Bloom again. Yeah, he apparently was doing like real estate in town, but still you know, involved with uh, soccer, of course, here. And uh, Goose, obviously, as well, another player that uh, you know takes part in that, and that's uh, one of those I think beautiful uh, kind of endeavors that LA United does. And so, uh, may yes. that continue. It wasn't able to do uh, or you know be present and have any operations last season, obviously because of the pandemic. But uh, this season, glad to see it back. But uh, moving on to LA United two. They unfortunately fell 1-0 to Birmingham Legion, uh, and it was a penalty kind of in stoppage time. First home loss this season for the twos. 
But uh, Rocco Rios Novo, the mustachioed boy wonder, had a season-high six saves. Um, and, yeah, this was also Tony Annan's last game with the club before he moves on to the Gamecocks at the University of South Carolina. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a uh, fond adieu to Tony Annan, who, uh, yeah, definitely moved a lot of players from the academy to the first team. I believe about seven or eight players uh, that are homegrowns. And so Tony Annan, who is pulling double duty. I mean, yeah, we have a lot of open uh, open spots on this club right now that need to be filled. And this is yet another one of them. Academy director and Atlanta United 2 uh, head coach. Uh, yeah, you had Felipe Cardenas uh, maybe suggest that Henry Opelou, the assistant coach to... Uh, Steven Glass at the twos uh, could be a guy that uh, maybe deserves that next uh, kind of bump up. But yeah, uh, a successor apparently should be named around this week or next week. So um, good to see that. But last bits of news, uh, not really news, just fun things for the culture. But Anton Walks, uh, yeah, finally getting his Nando's spicy tangy mayo. Uh, he's been talking about Nando's for a minute if you've been following him on social media. And uh, you got to know that the people in the UK love their Nando's. And so uh, love their cheeky Nando's. Got to gotta get that uh, delicious delicious uh, kind of uh, jerk chicken. So, uh, you know, there needs to be one in Atlanta. It would kill. There's a lot of really, really good, like, uh, jerk chicken spots. But, you know, uh, Nando's obviously... You know, is a little bit more well known and all that. Uh, right. It's a shame. It's a shame. And uh, <laughs> there, there needs to be like I think the closest one is in Florida. I've been to one in Chicago. I mean, it's just uh, yeah, like there needs to be one closer. Oh man, we're missing out. It really is. I mean, uh, it's yeah. There's a fairly sizable, uh, I think you know, international population that would appreciate it, but. Anyway, uh, moving on from that and wrapping up the news, let's get into the mailbag and uh, let's, uh, yeah, you know, uh, we brought it back. Uh, what a better time than this uh, interlull than to answer some of your questions and you guys send in your questions through IG story and uh, yeah, continue to do so. We might answer your question in the future. First question comes from Mondo J 99 He says, it's a new coach with new young players. Why some fans complain so bad when the team tie or lose? What do you what do you think about that uh, kind of comment, Mark? Um, I think a lot of the, from what I've seen, a lot of the criticisms focus on the performance, and uh, you know, especially um, leading every you know the performances leading up to the Seattle match. I mean, the, the Montreal and Seattle matches, while they were dramatic, and I think they uh, the team showed some grit and good resolve. You know, they weren't the best games overall. I think uh, the results against Nashville, um, from what I saw from the highlights, and also, uh, again, like, from the people I follow and what have you, a lot of optimism, you know, taken from this match. So I think, uh, yeah, we just... We want to see the team uh, evolve as it goes along. Right. Um, so I don't... That's, I think that's where most of the criticism focused on. Certainly, there are people with high expectations. Um, mm -hmm. 
who uh, just won't accept anything but a win, which fair enough. But um, but for the most part, I think actually the fan base has been pretty measured with the team itself. Now, if we're talking about Bocanegra or something like that, something else like that, it might see a little more passion. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think the I think that I'd say has been uh, getting the time and the the benefit of the doubt so far. Right, and I think uh, a lot of this is maybe uh, a lot of 2020 hangover angst. That's uh, yeah. I mean, we had such an awful season last uh, last year, and uh, you know, a lot of fans just want to see the team do well. And you know, when you squander early leads, that obviously does not lead to a lot of goodwill. And then uh, you know, front office turmoil also doesn't lead to a lot of goodwill. There's there's reasons I feel like yeah. Uh, fans have, um, you know, a little bit of uh, tension about the team at the moment because there are some other clubs that have brought in uh, new players, new coaches, and they come in running and they see that and they want that for the club as well. And so, you know, it's uh, it's not a completely unreasonable expectation, you know, because if some other teams are doing it, why can't we in that sense? So I get it. Uh, PRGBR75 asks, what magic ingredient does this team need to take it back to the top? What do you think? Is there a oh. magic bullet that can you know, lead us to glory? Um, no. I think the the one magic bullet is you know that's usually like a transfer or a signing. Um, so in that sense, like if Atlanta United made a major move this summer, that uh, would probably help. But I think for the most part, um, the improvements have to be internal, and I think that we see signs of it. Like if you look at the season as a whole, right? Earlier in the season, we saw some re- uh, really good build-up play. Uh, for most of the season, we've seen some good defense. The last match, I think we saw uh, those chances created that we wanted to see. So it's a matter of putting it all together. Uh, one of the fan camps, I forget who, so I apologize, but one of the fan camps basically said that like, we haven't uh, um, you know, really played a full game. We haven't put it all together quite yet. So um, in that sense, I don't think it is a magic bullet type of thing. But if they were to bring in a player, um, certainly I think that would uh, go a long way for our chances one way or another. Yeah. Uh, I, I think some fans probably don't want to hear this, but uh, that magic ingredient probably is just a little bit more time, um, unfortunately. Uh, and patience isn't always uh, a virtue with fans, for sure. But uh, I think in this case, because of a new coach, new players, uh, new system, uh, a little bit of time can really, I think, uh, you know, help us build to the quality that we want to see. But I think... By all means, though, if the team doesn't reach those uh, you know expectations, then yes, we can absolutely uh, start to criticize and make sure that our team is going in the trajectory that we want it to. But uh, William P. 1928 asks, is it a necessity to go out and get another attacking threat this summer? Speaking of all that. Yeah, right. Uh, I would say so, yeah. Um I don't know if necessity is the word, but I think that this summer it makes a lot of sense to go out and get um, a difference-making attacking player. Uh, just for, and I've said this before, like for how we want to finish this season, but also how we want to start next season. Um, it just feels like, you know, it's this too. I think uh, it's a different market because of COVID. You know, like teams are 
we're recovering from not having played in front of fans or you know what's going on in their respective country and so there may be an opportunity to bring in um uh, a significant type of player so i would say that la united should try to do that this summer you know i, I mm-hmm. correct me if i'm wrong we have a dp spot as it stands a uh, DP spot. No, and so yeah, it's uh Alan Franco has been rumored to possibly be able to uh be bought down. Right. And so that would be the opening that we could. Uh right. but yeah, currently we do not. And so that's the thing. Um for me, yeah, I would think that a double digit uh scoring winger would be, you know, quite awesome to bring in. Uh and in lieu of uh yeah, if Alan Franco is uh, bought down. That would be, I think, the spot that we could. And uh, yeah, maybe it pushes down a little bit in the depth chart. Some of these other guys that are great little depth pieces, but uh, exactly, you know, maybe not the uh, the guy in their prime that can really, I think, bring us to another level. Because us relying on Jose Martinez for all the goals uh, mm-hmm. is just not going to be. It's going to be a foolhardy type of endeavor. I feel like, but. Um, yeah, and especially not having Lissandro Lopez, Licha Lopez uh, anymore. Uh, we need someone that, uh, you know, can spell uh, Jose Martinez as well. So that is, yeah. in a smaller sense, another attacking threat that we need to bring in. And so yes. um, that absolutely needs to happen. But uh, next question comes from Tacos de Cui. Uh, what do you think of Moreno? Like an, as a replacement for Miggy and Piti? Yeah, um, I don't. I don't mean to be pedantic, but I, I should point out that Miggy and PT are different players, right? Exactly. Um, so is Moreno. And yeah. so, yeah, you know, and exactly. So is Moreno. So I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put. Honestly, wouldn't put Moreno in the same class as either of those players, especially Miggy. But um, I think his style is more like Miggy's, especially um, you know when he plays in the middle, when he carries the ball through the midfield uh, on the counter attack. You know we saw a little bit of that this weekend. Um, yeah, you know I think it just that has to be his, his natural position. You know I think that has to be the position that he plays most often for us. So um, I think the more time he spends there, the more we'll see his his value as a player. Um, but yeah, overall, you know, he's, he's been okay. I, you know, there was a point in time where we wanted to see more, um, last mm-hmm. couple of weeks we're seeing that. So, mm-hmm. but again, wouldn't put him in the same class as Mickey or PT. Yeah. And let's, uh, to be fair as well right now, he's got, uh, the team leading three goals. I mean, yes, one of them was a penalty, uh, but, uh, you know, also one assist, 10 games, uh, you know, four goal returns essentially in 10 games is not too bad. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, we would want to see a little bit more than that. But, um, yeah, he's just massively a different type of player than both of those guys. Uh, PT, more of the kind of risk taker type of guy that's, um, you know, he's going to take a shot from anywhere. He's going to uh, try to make things happen. And, you know, not a lot of times it came off, but. Uh, you know, sometimes it did, and it made him look brilliant. Uh, Miggy, yeah, obviously, just that workhorse on both ends. That um, you know, just really dynamic talent, and that's where uh, Moreno. I mean, he's just kind of more of a Miggy light, I think, at this point. Um, right. You know, but uh, the er, it's again still very early on uh, Moreno. You know, he only joined us in the latter half of 2020, so right. you know. He has a lot of growing to do and I think can grow into this team. 
I don't think it's time to maybe just cut bait, but um, you know there are uh, there are some promising things that uh, have come about. But last question comes from Sheaves seventy seven. Uh, asks, do you think the man-to-man defending that Hainsey has is effective? I think so far it has been. And I think it's this, uh, you know, you have to consider the balance between attack and defense. Like, that's what every team does. Um, and so, you know, I think in order for the attack to be effective, uh, you have to be a little more aggressive in terms of the defending. So, you know, man-to-man obviously is risky. Um, but I think that that has to be the way forward. And to be honest, you know, they could have seen out the match uh, versus Nashville if not for some better one-on-one defending. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's just going to happen sometimes. But I think uh, sticking with this style is uh, is worth it, especially with the, you know, I think that Sosa and the back line have a really good chemistry. Um, you know, we always see, Sosa always seems to be in the right position, for example. And so, um, yeah, I think that the the performance of the back line, the defense overall, is something we can build on um, as the season goes on. So I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily change too much in that regards uh, what we've been doing so far. Yeah, I think uh, it's got to be the blend a little bit of the man to man and zonal marking. Um, I I think you see. Like later on in the match, maybe we should be doing a little bit more zonal uh, and just making sure that we have areas covered on the pitch, especially if they're throwing men forward. Uh, because, yeah, I think you saw for that second goal for Nashville, uh, you know, Lennon, he, you know, is g- going for the, the man uh, and maybe not necessarily marking the space that needs to be covered because uh, that back post, no one's there. Mukhtar takes that and is able to just have an open look it's just uh yeah things that it's the blend that we need to uh to find because especially late in matches yeah you don't need to be pressing per se or uh, really like marking so tightly that you lose the uh the space that you're covering uh late in a match i think there needs to be that um you know uh if you're pressing a little further up the pitch okay yeah totally understandable if it's, uh, you know, you're kind of really trying to see out a lead, a little bit of zonal marking is not going to hurt anybody. Um, it's going to be, I think, probably needed at some points. But anyway, that does it for the mailbag and uh, pretty much the entire show, except for the question of the day. And the question of the day is, would you sell Ezekiel Barco in this transfer window? Let us know in the comments below what you think. Because, yeah, it's no doubt going to be a topic of conversation for a large part of this transfer window. So, uh, yeah, it will be very interesting indeed. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. For Mark, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) 